Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to From the Press Box, the Holland Sentinel Sports Staff's weekly podcast where we talk anything and everything sports. I'm sports editor Dan Diodano, alongside our assistant sports editor, Will Kennedy. Um, Will, we got a a lot of things happened this week on the national stage and the local stage. Um, you know, obviously it was Super Bowl week and uh, one of the better Super Bowls. But we also had, uh, you know, some Hope Calvin basketball action and uh, a lot of high school stuff going on, too. So I uh, want to start with the Hope Calvin. It was last night as of this recording. Um, huge, huge game on the men's side. Um Everything was on the line. Both teams were tied for first place with only one game to go. Um, winner clinched at least a share. And uh, that was uh, the game lived up to the hype. It was back and forth pretty much the entire game. Uh, 90, what, 93, 91 to 83 or something like that. I mean, like that was uh, uh, 93 to 80s, whatever it was, there was a lot, a lot of points, just an awful lot of points after watching how Hope has won most of their games with their defense. It was uh, really interesting to see this track meet style basketball game. And it wasn't a lot of transition either because there were a lot of made shots. There weren't a ton of rebounds and there weren't very many turnovers. So it was just get it, go score, get it, go score, get it, go score. It was, I've, I've, it's been a while since I've seen a game quite like that but it was nice to see that be the game that meant so much to the league having that rivalry be there i mean the last four years that rivalry has not decided who was won the miwa championship but before four years ago that game the last game of the year between those two teams had decided it i think like 11 years in a row so it's a big big deal in the rivalry when it's obviously for first place but uh you know, they hope won and clinched the share of the title, MIAA title. But since they beat Calvin twice, they also win the tiebreaker. Should they, in fact, even if they lost Saturday and shared the title with Calvin, they'd still get uh, to host the MIAA tournament uh, based on the rules uh, for the postseason. So, uh, so hope we'll be hosting the men's tournament uh, all the way through uh, as far as they go in it, of course. Um, so, just a really, really big game um, in a lot of ways. Obviously, it's a rivalry game. It was huge. Uh, there were not any empty seats in DeVos Fieldhouse. That's the first time that's happened in quite some time with the pandemic. Um, so that was very exciting to see um, and feel that energy in the rivalry game again um, at Hope. I mean, we've had that. We had that at Calvin earlier. Uh, but just, I mean, obviously, Evan Thomas had another great, great game. Uh, Joshua Lilja had the big three that bounced in and out and back in uh, that kind of sparked the decisive run. They made the defensive plays down the stretch when they had to. And uh, the energy was just there. It was just something kind of, it was almost a vibe. I mean, I know they, they set like the DeVos Fieldhouse record shooting like 60 some percent, which is ridiculous because this is a team as we talked will earlier about that. They just, you know, sometimes shoot in the thirties, a lot of times, you know, and if they're 
threes weren't falling, they were losing. And that's what has been happened to them the last couple of years. And they're figuring things out. But this energy, I've not, I have not seen energy like this from this team in a couple of years. And that was really exciting to see. Uh, if they keep that going, they might be able to make a little run in the NCAA tournament too. Um, so assuming they went out in the MIAA tournament, not yeah. sure if two people from the MIAA are going to get or two teams will get in. Um, both Hope and Calvin you know, have decent records, but I would feel like if Hope wins out, Calvin would be, let's see, now there's so 17, 18, 19, they'd be like 21 and 8. And I just don't think that's going to get in. Yeah. Um, so I think it's really all comes down to the tournament. So, but having the home court and they proved what they can do in the home courts, so that'll be, you know, quite the big deal, but it was definitely cool to see the rivalry game live up to it the same way. I mean, it's always exciting and energetic, um, but the last couple of times, you know, hope is one, you know, you pulled away at the end of the first half or the beginning of the second half, and then just kind of, the game was never in doubt. This game was this game was in doubt pretty much the entire time until about a minute and a half to go. So yeah. um, there were, I believe there were uh, 15 ties and 19 lead changes. Yeah, or 19 ties right. and 15 lead changes, one or the other. Yeah, that's, um, I, I that's a ton. The second half. Yeah, I watched the second half of it, and that sounds about right. Just yeah, I mean, that's, I mean that's, that's what you want out of a rivalry game. You want a back-and-forth game. Um, it was just such a weird game as a reporter as well because, like, I didn't start writing until the middle of the second half. Usually you kind of write along as things happen. But it was back and forth so fast with all, this, all the points and no one getting more than, like, a three-point lead for quite a long time. I just didn't. I mean, I summed up the first half in about two paragraphs at halftime. And then by the time I wrote, finished the game story, I deleted the first half play by play anyway, because no, it didn't matter. So it was just really, really strange to, you know, not even, I didn't really have many notes to take because it was just back and forth. I felt like I was watching really fast tennis, Yeah, Um, but it was exciting. Yeah, I, I've, even though I'm a young reporter, I've been out of the, I've been out of college for what, like two years now and been a professional reporter for about a year and a half or so. Um, I've learned my lesson the hard way not to ever write a single word until the game's over, man. I've learned my lesson the hard way. There's no, there's no way I'm doing that ever again. I've been, I've had to delete entire 600 word stories before when all I needed to add in was quotes because of a crazy ninth inning or something. So yep. Yeah. Uh, if there are any future or hopeful future journalists out there, just, you know, don't do that. You might think it's easy. You might want to get home and earlier. It's not worth it. It's just going to be right. Amazing. Well, it's just a matter for the most part. I used to do that all the time. And and now I pick and choose when I do it. It's a matter of what do you, you know, what do you need to remember? Yeah. You know, right. and, uh, but yeah, it's, uh, I, I've had plenty of those happen where you just, you have it all set. Uh, and then the bottom falls out. It really w- happened to me a couple times that when I was covering tiger playoff games, it's mainly baseball where that happens the worst. Cause anything right. can happen like the bottom of the, well, there's no clock. So you yeah. can't even use that as your ally, as a reporter. So it's just, yeah, baseball. I would, uh, you can mark little notes about what happens here or there, but you can't really write a good narrative until it's over. You just yeah. can't start, start with that. Um, yeah. I'm pretty sure there was one playoff game where I wrote, the story four times. I mean, that's not surprising. That's what happened. Yeah. So, 
I mean, that means it was an exciting game. Yeah. Uh, but sure. it's, uh, you know, those are the kind of things that uh, you got to deal with. Uh, yeah. occupational hazards for journalists well, um, fortunately so. for me as the guy who's like kind of the whole women's beat writer uh all the games are over by halftime for the most part so i can right. and i never write like a game story like i very rarely will write about what happened in the game because they always win by so much i always just right. turn it into a feature on one of the players. Yeah, no one wants to read that they are so good that they won by 40 points yeah, and here's how like, yeah we all know they, that they yeah. played really poorly last night and won by 30 um, right so that sort of tells you what kind of a team they are but i like i'll 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 rarely write a game story, but getting back to the Hope women, uh, they like I said, they won last night. Played a really ugly first quarter against the Adrian team that isn't all that good. Um, they're I think they're ranked eighth in the or seventh, I guess, in the in the uh, conference under St. Mary's um, or under Cal or above Kalamazoo, I should say. Um, yeah, they are not very good, and they held them. It was, it was twelve to seventeen at half at the end of the first quarter. And I was like, uh-oh, like, what's going on here? I was just watching from home because it was at Adrian. And I'm like, oh, what the, what the heck's going on here? And then in the second quarter, they were like, oh, we should actually start playing basketball again. And then they were up by 20 at halftime. And I think it got to 40 at one point. And then they put in the third unit for the whole fourth quarter and only scored 12 points, but still won by 30. Um, final three quarters were very much Hope College basketball, women's basketball. Uh, first quarter was like, uh-oh, this could get iffy here. But then they turned it around real quick. Kennedy Springfield, right. I think, had 20 points, was like the first time she had 20 points. No, I'm sorry, she had 16, but still, normally uh, women on that team don't make it up past 15 very frequently uh, because it just Right, because so everybody scores 9 or 10. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Can you imagine, well, when I was covering the Hope Women back a few years ago, we still were in the mode of traveling. So I would drive to Adrian, two and, like three hours to Adrian, to watch a massacre and yeah, then see, drive that's, back that's that's awful i mean i i geographically i don't even know where adrian is to be quite honest with yeah. you i'm still a relatively new michigander um <laughs> but yeah no that sounds miserable especially now because who knows when it, you could drive there and it'll be great and then you come out and uh it'll be a whiteout and you got to drive all that way home in a whiteout and that's that's not my kind of thing so right right do that. yeah it's fun yeah it's so bad. So Adrian's close to the Ohio border, but way like past Jackson, way okay. on the east side. It's like south of Ann Arbor. Okay, so I'm glad I did not go there. Yeah, it's it's but a hike. Yeah, not the streams <laughs> exist, and that game was low enough priority that I didn't have to. Uh, right, to go there. right. Well, the game the outcome before it started. Exactly, exactly. So it's nice to have that benefit of the doubt yeah. sometimes. So yeah, yeah I so watch the second half of the men's game while I was watching the women's game finish up because the men's game started late. The women's game started way earlier. Um, so I, right. by the time that ended, I watched the second half of the men's game and I was pretty exciting because I'm covering the, the, the men's game on Saturday for senior day. Cause you will be at the MIAA swimming meet. Um, right. so I got to familiarize myself with the men's team a little bit. Cause like I said, I don't cover them a ton. I'm, I'm more on the women's side, but, right. um, yeah, should be fun. They were fun. Should, and the, sure. the women should clinch on Saturday also, um, a share. Yes, but they will not get home court. But they will not get home court. Try and will. Uh, so Unless try and but lose. that's only for the final. Unless try and loses, right? Unless, and that's only for the final. So the Hope Women will have home games in the first, the first round in the semifinals. Yeah, and it'll probably uh, set up a, a a rematch with Adrian in the first round at the Voss on what Tuesday it would be, or, or it would be Tuesday, Wednesday, Wednesday for Wednesday. the women. Yep, yeah. the men's game is Tuesday. So, so yeah, it's just a. Uh, uh, It'll be an interesting situation to see what happens. We'll see if a Hope Calvin, uh, I mean, it could be a Hope Calvin, then Hope Trine on the women's side. Could be. Um, and it also could be. It could be Hope Adrian. Hope, 
it could be a hope. Yeah, Albion, Albion, a, Albion, Albion. I'm sorry. Right, it could be Albion, right? It could be a um uh, oh yeah, that's right. It'll probably be it'll probably be Hope Albion. Hope Albion and then Trine Calvin in the semis. Yeah, most likely. Right. But I mean if everything goes on paper. If everything it, continues in the way it right and how Saturday's happen. games yeah. happen and everything. Yeah. yeah. And then the the men, I mean it's the Hope Calvin could be a final the finals the again because they'll be the top two seeds, but Trine and Albion are really good for the men too. So yeah. well, Trine was ranked in the top ten for a large chunk of the beginning of the season. Yeah, so um, it's going to be – it'll be interesting to see how that uh, unfolds for the Hollywood so especially. Speaking of rankings, Hope uh, has moved up from second – or from third to second in the in the D3 pool. So there's one stop spot away from that top spot. I believe Trine is five um, in that pool. Coach's pool, I, I, it, it's very weird and inconsistent, but Hope is still three right. in the coach's pool. Or Trine right. Well, and it'll all depend on what happens next week, so – yeah, that's yeah. Just this—that's where they currently stand. It's it's a, a, a spot up from when from when they last fell to try, and so they're getting closer to that number one spot. Um, for sure, but for sure, need the, and that'll be a big deal because I still think they host the first two rounds, and Trine might also. Yes. Um, in different in the NCAA, different, in different brackets, brackets. Brackets. Right, but but if Hope beats Trine, in the there's a good chance that they went out. They could host the first an extra weekend. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, and that's all done. Great for us, of course. That's all done with like regional rankings and stuff, and I I don't fully understand how those work because I looked at them the other day and I don't entirely understand them. Um, Yep, but it's 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 done by regional rankings and geography, and so it's you could study it your whole life and you won't still won't know what's happening. It won't make a sense. Yeah, the NCAA does what it wants. That's what I've learned. Right. Yeah, we've had the the women had one sectional where they hosted the first two rounds and then they went to Texas. Oh God! For the Sweet Sixteen and Elite Eight, and it was a Texas school and Hope and um, George Fox, who's from Oregon. Oh, jeez! And another school. Uh, I can't remember if it was from maybe like Wisconsin Stevens Point or something like that. I don't know. It was everyone had to fly, so they put all the teams that would have to fly in the same bracket, basically. Um, so it was just, it was just wild. So, um, it's very bizarre, a little bit of a different situation. Yeah. Yeah, So, uh, so we'll, we'll, we'll keep you posted on that. Um, but it should be a lot of, a lot of hope basketball next week. A lot of, uh, a lot of stuff on the line. Everything's on the line now is from, from here on out. Yeah. Um, there's something on the line. I mean, the hope men could lose Saturday and still get home, home court, but they want the title outright. They don't want to share it especially with Calvin. Um, so there's something on the line all the way through. Uh, and that, that makes for exciting basketball. And next the, week we got a good rivalry. About, the weird thing about the men's side is that obviously we know the women's side, it's probably going to come down to three teams and Calvin trying and Albion or, or, or hope trying and, and, and Albion. Whereas the men's side is like, honestly, six teams, five to six teams could realistically win the MIAA tournament. Right. Right. And that's, that is made it very exciting. I mean, it used to be, Hope and Calvin, you knew you could pencil them in in the final every year. You weren't sure which one was going to win, but you could yeah. pencil that in. And you could, it used to be that way for the women, too. I'm glad that we've gotten more to the point where you can spread it around a little bit just just for the sake of parity and the unknown a little bit. Uh, yeah. Makes it more fun. But yeah, uh, sure. definitely a big week of basketball next week with all those tournaments. Plus, we've got the Zealand East-West uh, rivalry, boys and girls, plus the Hamilton Holland Christian rivalry, boys and girls, and West Ottawa-Hudsonville and West Ottawa-Rockford. So, 
it's uh and oh and holland christian versus unity christian so there's uh a lot of the rivalries in holland zealand west actually they play each other next friday too so there's a lot of a lot of interesting rivalry matchups too at the same time uh that we've got the whole basketball stuff too so we'll try to bring you as much coverage of everything as possible um it's going to be interesting the print coverage will definitely be interesting because there's no way the way our thursday print dinky print section is where we only have like a page and a half there's no way we're going to have five games and a rewind in there um so we'll have to pick and choose a little bit there but uh all coverage will be on hollandcentral.com as always um so we're looking forward to that week for sure so um but now before it gets too stale uh well we got to talk about the super bowl here i mean the uh the rams the rams win the super bowl matthew stafford gets a ring um it was one of the better and close Super Bowls I can remember too like it was an entertaining game that was close um you know a lot of a lot of talk was made about the halftime show and I I am in the age, I am in the age bracket that I completely loved it um so that, to me it was the best halftime show of my lifetime yeah it was it was really good I I very much appreciate I know a lot of people don't like rap or it's not quite their thing or whatever but you know, I feel the same way about country music. So, and we, and we, I've seen Garth Brooks and Shania Twain and people like that do things and they do fine at Super Bowl halftimes or whatever. And uh, so, you know, it just, it makes sense to have, have it, you know, split up a little bit like that. We've had so a lot of, a lot of good, a lot of good ones over the years, but uh, yeah, this one was, this one was quite good. Um, but the game was really good. Like a lot of times when the halftime is show is so great, I also feel like I remember it more because the game wasn't as good. Uh, but this game was this game was really really good, and uh, it, it it had a lot. I mean, obviously for Lions fans, you know, there's the uh, the mixed bag of bittersweetness of watching Stafford win a Super Bowl. You obviously. You know, I would say most Lions fans are probably happy for him personally, um, but also, you know mad at the lions for getting rid of him in the first well, he, place he wanted but, to leave so yeah i mean we got to that point you know where they weren't they weren't going to uh you know have enough to become a contender while he was still playing basically yeah, I mean, he, um, he's the one who requested the trade and i mean honestly good for the i mean it, it worked out well i mean i think the lions got two first round picks or a first round and golf, yeah, and golf, and then like a third rounder or whatever. Um, yeah, obviously Stafford got to go win the Super Bowl, so I mean, it worked out pretty well for both. I think, it, yeah, Stafford I think it worked well for leave. both. And and I think it was pretty commendable that not only did they get a good haul for him, but they put him in a situation where he could win right away. You know, right, um, which is pretty great for them. Same thing for right. you know, Von Miller coming over. Um, the the Denver Broncos GM sort of said halfway through the season, he's like, "Well, Von Miller's getting up there in age. We want to, uh, you know, give him a spot where he can win because he didn't want to get traded." But they needed, right. and they're like, "Well, we're gonna take less than what we could potentially get just to give Vaughn, who's a Broncos legend, a chance to, you know, go win another Super Bowl." Right, right. And there's a lot of storybook sides. That's that's why I'm kind of glad that the that the Rams won. I have nothing against the Cincinnati Bengals. I first of all, I think that uh, there's a better chance of them being back with the the younger core that they have. A very young group, yeah. So <laughs> I so I think that that for one is one, but. But for the for for the Rams, you get the Lions thing with Stafford, which I you know I enjoyed watching Stafford win. That was uh, really cool. But you also had, uh, you also had uh, Donald, you know, who's possibly riding and in, riding into the sunset as the best defensive player of the last few years. 
and then you've got fire apparently what was that Don McVeigh might retire now, apparently. Right. <laughs> right. Like, um, 36. Like what? Right. You got the the 40-year-old lineman uh who got to Yeah, Whitworth. Whitworth, that's right. Yeah, who gets to gets to ride into the sunset. Von Miller's, you know, makes his impact over there. Beckham Jr. comes over, although he got hurt and that sad. played yeah. a huge factor in it. I mean, there's so many different little nuggets of storylines, and you get to have two cool players ride into the sunset. And, and Cooper uh-huh. Cups kind of showed the world why he's like the greatest receiver of the year by right. That might be one of the best receiving seasons by an individual receiver of NFL history. Right. Um, you know, led the league in catches, receiving yards and touchdowns and win the Super Bowl MVP with three touchdowns. <laughs> it's pretty absurd. Right. I feel like, I feel like the Venn diagram of that is like him and Jerry Rice. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that might be the single best season by receiver, at least in my lifetime. It definitely is, but yeah, it's, yeah. it's pretty wild. Yeah, for sure. Well, especially since it's gotten so the game has changed. I mean, even when Jerry Rice was getting those, it wasn't quite, it was still more of a pro set style offense. A couple of receivers it wasn't as spread all the time. Yeah. It wasn't as pass heavy. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's, it's really, uh, really interesting uh, to see, to see that all uh, come into play all at once for the Rams. So there, I felt there was no more storylines to root for for the Rams. I assume you were rooting for the Rams, right? I was, I was, I was rooting for the Rams. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, even if they didn't have, I mean, I wouldn't have cared so much, but I really like Donald. Yeah, he's fantastic. and he's he's so great to watch, and just to watch him single handedly take the last two plays down, yeah, uh, yeah. was pretty cool. Especially if that's the way he goes out. Yeah, I mean that's legendary. I mean, like. I can't think of anybody else. That, I mean, even I feel like Reggie White had a, a Super Bowl like that where they won when he was on the Packers and he kind of rode into the sunset and he was like the greatest defensive lineman of, of all time at that point. Yeah. But I don't remember him getting the last two tackles in a close game, you know, like um, on a third and fourth down to end the game. But uh, Joe Burrow almost completed the pass to Joe Mixon too. He like just flipped it out. And when he was like halfway on the ground and he almost completed it for a first down, which is like, right. Right. That was, it was crazy. And he was on a sprained MCL when he went or torn MCL when he, when he did it, which is a right. Right. It just shows that Joe Burrow is going to be good for a really long time. Right. And that's another, another reason I had no problem. I mean, I haven't openly rooted in a Super Bowl in an awful long time, like, because I don't, I don't care who wins for the most part. I don't have much ties to anybody at any, at any point. So, but to have, you know, I I like the storylines, you know what I mean? Like I was, I'm pretty sure I was rooting for the saints when they finally won, you know, I was, you know, you get things like that, you know? Um, But yeah, but this is different. And I, and again, I think a part of the reason I had no problem whatsoever is that I think the Bengals are going to be around. Yeah. Um, I think they're going to be a contender for the next five years. Um, I I, I wouldn't be surprised if they played the chiefs in the AFC championship game, all five of the next years or the bills. Yeah. I mean, that's, it's going to be that, that grouping will be, you know, yeah. They just need to get an offensive line is what they need to do. Yeah. Um, Yeah. That that did not work in their favor. I mean, yeah, but um, yeah, no, I, I agree with you. This is the first Super Bowl like, Normally I'll root against the team. Like I don't particularly like the Patriots. I don't, I, right. I, I went to school in Tampa. So Bucks fans became extremely obnoxious once they got Tom Brady. So I was like, all right, I want to root against the Bucks. Um, <laughs> last year. 
But this year it was very much like, I'll be happy if either team wins. Like, I think that the, 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 I love Joe Burrow. I think he's awesome. Uh, as, as a kid, I know who plays for the Bengals, a kid, I know who plays for the Rams. So I was like happy either way. Um, though he did not play particularly well in the game. He caused the interception uh, that one of the interceptions Matthew Stafford threw. Um, he, it was, it was a low throw. He tipped it up and then the uh, Bengals DB caught it and almost ran it back for a touchdown. I was like, Oh no, Ben, what are you doing? Right. Um, but <laughs> we got it. He ended up getting a rank. So I'm happy for him, but yeah, right. no, I was just happy either way. Uh, it was very nice to be watch a game and be like, Oh, I don't hate either of these teams. Right. Right. I feel like the other one that I remember being like this, it ended up being decently close and that I was okay with either one. I think it was like a few years ago, the Steelers Cardinals. Oh, that was uh, one of the best Super Bowls ever. Yeah, it was really good. And I, I think I was rooting. I mean, the Steelers had won a couple, you know. Um, that was another a cool one when it was in Detroit. And the Steelers won and Jerome Bettis is from Detroit. And yeah. he, you know, scored. I, I, if it wasn't the winning touchdown, it was he scored. Definitely it was, scored. It was a close in there. game, yeah. And that was a close game too. And our my predecessor, Alan Babbitt, covered that game. Oh, that's cool. Um, but uh, it was, um, you know, that the one I was kind of rooting for Larry Fitzgerald. Yeah, uh, really. Uh, at that point, but it was another. It was a really good game. Yeah. Um, that was one of the best. That's one of the ones that sticks out in recent memory because, you know. I honestly get I get this like Tom Brady blur in my yeah. brain about the Super Bowl sometimes. So because if he's not um, if he didn't win it, he was either in it or or he either won it or it was in it. It seems like you know when against the Giants or the Eagles or right Hawks or whatever. It seems like he's always in it, even if he doesn't. Right. Well, he's got what he's got seven rings and they lost what two. Yeah. So yeah. he was in he was in nine Super Bowls. That's insane. And the only like, person ever beat is Eli Manning. That's that's crazy. Yeah, yeah. That's crazy. It's pretty absurd. So yeah, well, and that's why he's the greatest of all time. It's just objective. I mean, yeah. I mean, there's no nothing no like a seventh as, seventh round can't be mobile quarterback <laughs> becoming the greatest proved, of all time. He proved throughout his career he certainly cannot be mobile. That is a fact. Right, um, but he all he does is win. So good. that's all that matters. Exactly. Exactly. So we'll. Uh, yeah, it was definitely an entertaining weekend. Uh, they also announced their uh, – uh, the Hall of Famers get for the NFL get announced the, the night before. Uh, nothing, yeah. Nothing's particularly earth-shattering. Uh, I don't even remember who it was. With the Hall of Famers there. I remember one of my favorites as a kid, linebacker from the Saints, Sam Mills, made it. Um, I know and he, he joined South some of The community was very upset. Zach Thomas is not yet a Hall of Famer. Yeah, it seems ridiculous is, to I, me. I, I would agree with that. He seems to be – warranted of being a hall of famer i mean i he played the same position as sam mills and sam mills made it and i love sam mills but zach thomas was better exactly um, so i mean i'm not saying sam mills doesn't belong also no, you just they both do right yeah but they yeah so there's there's always been stuff like that the nfl hall of fame sometimes is really strange because the pro football hall of fame i should say it's called um but like they i mean it took like 15 years for Lynn Swan to make it. They never knew what to do with receivers when passing started getting good. Like Jerry Rice made it automatically, but like it took Art Monk who had the career receptions record. It took him a bunch of years to get in. Yeah. He has a career receptions record. I mean, like, and then you had um, like, it, I don't know. Like, I feel like Tim Brown didn't get in on the first try. And there's a guy that played back with Rice and Art Monk and those guys named, 
Henry Ellard that still isn't in the Hall of Fame, which I I get it, bubble candidate. But at the same time, the game was so different then. I feel like he's hurt now. The passing is so different. But he was just about as good as those other guys. And then James Lofton made it right away. But Andre Reed took a lot of years to make it from the yeah. Bills. And I didn't really get that either. I, I mean, I, I think they both belong. But I didn't get the why James Lofton made it like 10 years before Andre Reed. Yeah. So and now, it's especially, just, especially in Buffalo, there's like a whole, because I used to live in Buffalo, uh, there's this whole like movement. Because every year it seems like, obviously Steve Tasker was not the greatest tight end or receiver, or I don't even know what position he played. He didn't do great. He played receiver. Yeah, yeah he, he was like, like the fourth the receiver. Spe- yeah, but he's like one of the best special teams gunners of all time. Like, Ever. Ever. Yeah, I mean, he probably, I don't want to say one of, I think he probably is the best. Um, Cause he sort of took that position and specialized it and made it a, an impact player and everybody yeah. wants him. And he's always like a semifinalist, but he never gets in. Um, right. So everybody's sort of pushing for that. Cause right. It's I mean, he's the, and he's the opposite on the opposite side of the coin too, is the former lion Mel Gray. He was one of the best return specialists well, I ever. Think Devin Hester. So from, from yeah, well, Devin Hester is better. If Dev, it's, it's Mel Gray was like that. It wasn't quite as electric, okay. um, but he, because uh, Devin Hester seemed to just bounce around more like a pinball to do what he did. But Mel Gray would just kind of glide through everybody. Okay. But it was the same, same kind of impact. He was clearly for several, several years way better than every other return specialist in the yeah. league. Um, so it's, I mean, I wouldn't mind. I don't, Devin Hester's not in, is he? They don't. I don't think he's there. allowed to be in yet. Yeah. Oh, that's true. So, I mean, like, I wouldn't have a problem with it. That's a big part of football. And I wouldn't have a problem with Steve Tasker or Mel Gray making it either because that's a big, such a big deal uh, in the game. And especially, you know, every Super Bowl comes to down, down to that, you know? I mean, like, right, so I mean, this, Desmond Howard was Super Bowl MVP just because of returns. This year was the first year Devin Hester was eligible and he did not make it. Gotcha. I mean, but I wouldn't be surprised if eventually he did. I think that's if he you know, kind of how, like, in baseball, they look at analytics and, you know, like the voting – persona has changed a little bit i can see that happening in the nfl a little bit yeah i think if hester gets in that opens the door for guys like tasker or others like exclusively special teamers to you know right uh, i mean you got to be good for a long time obviously yeah Uh, but tasker was good for a really long time like nearly a decade and same for mel gray i mean so i would i mean that i would have no problem with that especially with some of the guys that get in now i mean the football Hall of Fame has more people in it. There's more positions, obviously, but it's, overall, it seems much easier to get into than the Baseball Hall of Fame. Um, maybe the Basketball Hall of Fame is just as easy in air quotes, you know, whatever. But uh, the Basketball Hall of Fame should be the hardest because there's only five positions. It should be, but it doesn't really seem to be. I mean, everybody you've ever heard of is pretty much in the Hall of Fame, so... Um, I don't know who is or who but, is in the Hall of Fame, so I wouldn't be surprised. You know, it's... Uh, it's just one of those things with football. So I feel like that would, I feel like they're afraid of it watering down if there's special teams players and stuff. Like it took until, what was it, like five years ago, Ray Guy? Made Ray, it. I vividly remember when Ray Guy, old man, got up to the stage to give his speech. Right. He's the punter. He's yeah. like, he's the best punter in NFL history. And it's not even close. They have like it's not even close. He is so far ahead. And it took him like 30 years to make it. How can you pass over the best player in the history of their position? It's, I, mean, I just don't understand it. And Morton Anderson, it took him 10, 15 years to make it too, and he's the NFL's all-time leading scorer. How, he's a kicker, obviously, but how can you not have the NFL's all-time leading scorer in? 
That's what it, it just comes down to. What I don't, I, who votes for all these writers? Is writers who vote for it? It's a it's a panel. It's a panel. I think there's some writers in it. There might be some. It's kind of like how Jim Cott made it now for the baseball, where there's a, a mix of, of writers, broadcasters, Hall of Famers, okay. GMs. I think. It might be a bigger panel, a bigger amount of people for the football. Yeah. I'm not exactly sure, but they have a panel to make the finalists, and then it's a it's a panel vote. It's not a yeah. it's not a like the Football Writers Association of America does not have a right a vote like they do in baseball. Okay, um, I was gonna say, but, I, you know, at the end of the day, it just probably comes down to what the guys on that panel, guys or girls. I, like I said, I don't know who makes up the panel. Um, right, uh, value most in a position and who kind of makes the biggest impacts on games and right. I, I assume at this point, you know, the year 2022, not a ton of them were alive to watch Ray Guy play. Um, right, for sure, for sure. But I mean, if I mean the best out of your position ever, well, and I, and no matter what, even if you if, even if you want to argue the merits of punting or whatever like that, kicker Morton Anderson was yeah. the NFL's all-time leading scorer. What do you need more than he scored the most points ever? Like yeah, sure. that to me just boggled my mind that 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 he not only didn't make it on the first try, but didn't make it for like eight or so tries or however many it was like, how many kickers are even in the hall of fame? Um, I would say there's probably like six or seven. Is Vinatieri in it yet? Is he allowed to be in it yet? He's, uh, he's got to be. I, I mean, yeah, I'm not sure if he's eligible for that yet, but he uh, will be, I mean, he will be the next kicker. in. I mean, he's, he's got to be, I mean, his, he has like three I mean, game most, Super Bowl kicks. Right. It's the, oh no, he, let's see. Now he's the NFL's all-time leading scorer. So he yeah. beat Morton Anderson's record. Yeah. Uh, his career ended in 2021. So he's got a couple of years to wait. What? It did. Oh my God. That man was kicking for forever. Good God. Yeah. So it, during his first Super Bowl, when he kicked against the Rams, he was already for the in the league for like three years. Right. Yeah. I mean, I mean that makes sense. Why he's the NFL's all-time leading like scorer now. So, so I would say he's not going to have a problem. That see, that's what Morton Anderson didn't have. He was on the Saints most of his career, and they were never in the Super Bowl. Yeah. Uh, but Venetary, he'll. I mean, I can't imagine him not making it on the first try because yeah. of the iconic Super Bowl winning kicks he has. On top of the fact Multiple. that he's the NFL's all-time leading scorer, yeah. and doing it for so long for only two teams too, at a position where a kicker, if you have one bad week, you're right exactly 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 so yeah so it'll be interesting to see we don't really have any lions up for that uh i feel like maybe it would all be i mean i feel like i feel like herman moore has already like passed the the line where he's like gotta go to the is there he's gotta go to like the senior group or whatever okay like if if you're on the ballot, you get up on the ballot for like ten or fifteen years, and then you have to go. Like then you have to wait a few more, and then you then there's like this senior group, and they've get you know guys in the like sixties, and now and now the early seventies have started to make it in that group and stuff. So um, is that sort of similar to like what happened to Barry Bonds this year in the yes, okay. yeah. So um, yeah, so we'll we'll see what happens there. But he so they just don't have any. Not not super surprising though. There's not too many lions, what you know, lined up there. I mean, we got Calvin Johnson last year. He'll um, make it eventually. I mean, Stafford will. I mean, Calvin Johnson made it last year on the first try. Oh, he did. And, make it. Yeah, and then I, I'm they sure. And Matthew Stafford has punched his ticket with that Super Bowl win. So that's become like um, a debate on Twitter in the past 72 hours or however long it's been since the Super Bowl ended. That's become like a pretty healthy debate on whether or not Matthew Stafford's a Hall of Famer or not. 
I mean, he's top, what top ten in the career NFL passing plus a Super Bowl winner. I mean, that's hard to pass. Do you have an MVP or anything ever? No. Yeah, I mean, I, I didn't. I have not watched enough NFL, and I certainly haven't watched enough Detroit Lions to say whether or not he is in my lifetime. I mean, he set the a couple of years ago. He set the NFL record for most comeback wins in a year. Yeah, I think he has the record for this year, or not the record, but he led the league for this year as well. Right. Get like four or five this year. Yeah. So I mean, he's you know this that's that's getting it done in the fourth quarter. So yeah, especially ninety five percent of the time you're doing it with guys who should barely be in the NFL. Right. <laughs> right. Right. So yeah, that'll be interesting to see. I bet I don't. Again, I don't know exactly who's how this works, but I would say any other possible lion that's eligible is probably in that senior group now until Stafford. Um, yeah, goes. I really, you know pop off to me in my lifetime that played for the lions. So obviously Calvin Johnson, Matthew Stafford, um, Reggie Bush played for the lions for a little bit. Didn't he? Yeah. I don't know if he's there. Yeah, Adrian he's Peterson the did. Adrian Peterson did, but I don't yeah. know. He wouldn't... At this point, where has an Adrian Peterson played? Right. Uh-oh. Right. That would be somebody. Um, so it's just, uh, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm trying to think of other lions players. That I, I mean, like everybody else was like good, but not great. And I'm going back to like, Barry Sanders day, you know, obviously Barry Sanders is great, but. And Dominican Sue's still in the league. I mean, he was really good, but I don't think he's a hall of famer ever. Right. It's. He might be. He's still career. I mean, he's, he's got a, his numbers will have to be enough that it overlooks his reputation. Yeah. Because if he's a, because if he's on the bubble, that reputation is going to hurt the bubble. Well, that's like the weirdest thing too. Cause like, obviously he has that reputation on the field, but I've heard from everybody I know who've like covered the bucks or just people I know in like NFL circles say he's like off the field. He's like the nicest guy in the world. Yeah. They, I, I, I read, a, uh, actually they've done a couple pieces on him when he was with Detroit that he, uh, everybody, he's like the consensus best person going to a children's hospital ever. Yeah. He's apparently just like a super good guy. And I don't think he's ever had any like issues with like off the field stuff ever that, that I'm remembering at least. Um, no, he just stomped some people's faces on the yeah, field. Yeah. I mean, that, well, yeah, on the field, he like, you know, flips. His I, I, I know, I know. But I, I mean, that, that does work in his favor that he's, you know, he's not, he doesn't have any trouble with the law or and, anything and, like and that. Like a genuinely good human being when, when right. It's hands. just, it's just such a weird, it's, it's weird that it's so like that, weird. It's that stark of a contrast because normally it's like, okay, like you might be a jerk on the field, you might not be like a jerk off the field, but also you're just sort of there. It's 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 rarely like this guy's a total jerk on the field, but like the most genuine nice person. Off. Right? Yeah, that's that's usually not how it goes. So, but yeah, that's uh, yeah. We'll we'll see what happens with that. There's just uh, no many, not many lions to really think of or anything like that. So uh, it's going to be, it's well, I I wasn't sure Calvin Johnson was going to make it on the first try last year. So yeah, he um, I'm glad that he did. I think he deserves it. But you know, he just had a little bit of a shorter career, so you never know. But man, was he dominant! So yeah, we'll see if I bet I bet Stafford's the next uh, sniff the Lions fans have at the Hall of Fame. So, um, but uh, yeah, great Super Bowl win for him. And, uh, you know, and the Rams, very exciting. And, uh, yeah, it was a big, you know, part of a big week for, for sports. The Olympics are going on. We've got um, some okay performances, but also some pretty awesome performances in speed skating, figure skating, snowboarding. Uh, but, uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll kind of recap more of that as the Olympics finish up next week. And yeah, uh, I just the have been underwhelming. Let's just say that. Yeah. Underwhelming as a whole, there's been a couple of 
fantastic moments. And for, for team sports, like hockey team, uh, right. other sports teams, I guess bobsled teams, I guess have been underwhelming as a whole, but individuals have been pretty, pretty cool. Right. So, um, yeah. So make sure that from between Sundays and Wednesday, you're voting for the uh, player of the week, the Holland Central high school player of the week. Um, Isaac Jekyll, Holland swimmer. Three weeks in a row, a Holland, uh, Holland high, school Holland high School athletes won three weeks in a row. So uh, that is a challenge to you other schools out there listening to uh, make sure you're voting for your uh, your, your team's uh, athletes. Uh, and hopefully they're having enough, you know, good performances to, to be considered each week on the list. So uh, get out and vote for that. And next week, rivalry week, Zealand East West basketball, Holland Christian versus Unity Christian, and then versus Hamilton. West Otto versus Rockford, then versus Hudsonville, Holland versus Zeeland West. You got lots of stuff to deal with. This uh, Friday, we'll have the Never Forgotten Games, uh, Saugatuck versus Fenville, um, and the West Ottawa Purple Games are Friday as well. So there'll be a lot, a lot to a lot of basketball, a lot of depth of coverage, and a lot of things going on in the next week and a half or so. So check out HollandCentral.com and uh, you know get out to some games before the basketball season's over. For Will, I'm Dan. Have a good week. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.